We've been through it all together. We've lived so many things, cue montages and music. Let's start, as usual, by reviewing all the comments and questions that people left on Twitter, YouTube, or Reddit at Not Daily Podcast. Yes. Uh... I didn't have a lot of comments, but I had a long discussion with uh, Alan. Mm -hmm. So last time we talked about MMORPGs and wondered where they went, essentially. Why are they not in the news anymore? And what, what's essentially what's so hard about making an MMORPG. And that's how the conversation with, uh, with Alan evolved. Because quickly we ended up concluding that an MMORPG is actually too games two quite distinct games right you have the leveling phase where you exploring the world etc and you have the high level phase where everyone's max level where the stakes are completely different people don't like play the same thing so in a sense when you're designing an MMORPG you're really designing two games and I feel like people rather focus on one or the other and that's how you get for instead of leveling you get Breath of the Wild or GTA or whatever and instead of the high level you get MOBAs like League of Legends or CSGO or whatever. What, what do you think about this framework? Mm, that's a good point to be honest. But like you could think about like what's killing me about that is like you could think about a game that is only focused. Well, I mean like level up, you can't really do unlimited level up, I guess. But like, it would make more sense to do what they're doing right now basically because for example like i know that like you like leveling up and like discovering new skills and that sort of things i i kind of like both it depends on the time you know what i mean like sometimes i prefer to level up and sometimes i prefer to do other stuff one mmorpg that do it well is like guild wars and i know that you don't like like the leveling up on guild wars but well i i no no, no. what i don't like on guild wars is the gameplay per se i i don't mind the leveling up. <laughs> but yeah they have a scaling down thing where you can go into smaller zones with high level characters yeah exactly so so you can be like super high level and you can still like get stuff done at a very very like low level zone which is kind of nice because you can still explore like there's a lot of zones that like you never go when you're low level to to get experience just because like it's a massive world and so you can get back when you're like a bit higher level just to like explore and like get some sub quest done well maybe it's maybe it's too much of a challenge and game studios prefer to be more specialized and that makes it easier to to develop and yeah there's there's also another split because like you have the split between the leveling phase and the high level phase but there's also the pvp versus pve and so essentially you're designing like four games at once or even like multiple combinations thereof so maybe people maybe studios rather focus on a small element and lose the like not try to do a behemoth that does everything at once i don't know i've, I've mellowed down since the last time maybe it's not so bad if we have games specialized and not a big game that tries to do it all that's what's nice as well because like then like pvp and pve is like very very different gameplay i don't know at least on guild wars like there's three main thing which is pvp five versus five which kind of look like a moba there's like this big like guild versus guild things that like very much look like pvp in a mmorpg and there's like completely like pve experience I feel like because your skill kind of translate between all of these experience, but still being in the same game, you still keep like something super interesting that doesn't exist in like 
in a normal MOBA or in a normal like, adventure game or that sort of thing. Yeah, so in a sense, the this MMORPG becomes more like a platform than, than a unique game, right? A platform from which you do all kinds of different activities. Why don't they do that, though? Because it's really hard to do all the good activities, all the activities well at once. No, but you could keep your character like in multiple games. Yeah, but then you have to do multiple games by the same company or be interoperable, but that doesn't work with capitalism. <laughs> no, but like you could do like, like Blizzard is EA, no? Activision. Blizzard is Activision. So Activision Blizzard could do like one character for multiple games. I mean... Like it's massive. Or like Ubisoft could do it as well. Like they have like massive license. Yeah, Ubisoft could do it as well. But the, the, so I guess the reason why they're not doing that right now is because since they have different games, they want them to be very distinct so that people buy them instead of buying only one. I don't know. Like you would buy a lot more if like you had one car. Yeah, as an engagement on... 10 years having the same character in multiple games. Like, you would want to buy some stuff for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's such a, a tremendous uh, investment, though. But if someone manages it well, maybe it's, it would set a good example. Okay, in other gaming news, and I just like nothing, it's not correlated at all, but I just want to say it. Pokemon Snap 2 has been announced, and I'm super excited about it. <laughs> I can't wait to see how they're going to fuck this up. Very... They can't fuck it up. Like, it's like, they just can't fuck it. It's, it's not fuckable. Yes, which is, they can't fuck it up, and they will. So that makes it so interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm super... Like, it's literally the only game that I've been waiting for. All the other game is like, oh, okay, it's a new game. Like, let's try it. But this one, I w I'm being like, I really hope that they're doing a new one. Like, on a phone. And like, the DS. The DS was perfect for it. You're setting up yourself for disappointment. The more expectations you have. It's not really high expectation. Like, they just need to put Pokemon. And I can take picture of them. And Professor Shen say, like, oh, it's a shitty picture. <laughs> By the way, Vlad, uh, I've been meaning to ask you if you know a little bit about dreams and cognitive science vis-à-vis -vis dreams and psychology and all this kind of stuff. A bit. Because I've noticed something pretty weird slash cute slash, I don't know, interesting in a recurring dream that I'm having recently. Yeah. So I should preface by saying that I've been trying to have lucid dreams for like as long as I'm aware of it, like years, but never been really successful. But so anyway, yeah, I, I've never really managed to lucid dream, but I do keep uh, a certain aware awareness of my dreams and a fascination for the topic. It helps with my dream recall, for instance. I remember my dreams more. And so... In this vibe, I've noticed that lately I'm dreaming a lot about a dead relative who is dead. Okay. Who didn't die recently. So it's not, I don't know why I'm starting this up right now. Maybe, to, maybe it's replacing my other recurring dream, but uh, we can talk about that some other time. But anyway, so the interesting part is that in the dream, like you would in a dream, the people move around and they talk and they interact. And so that's what I experience. That's my dream self. 
But there's also a part of me mm -hmm. that is extremely aware that this person is dead and that it should not happen. So he's supposed to be dead, you mean? No, he's dead. <laughs> not like, oh, they came back to life. Okay. No, it's like, why is the corpse walking and interacting with me? Like this kind of stuff. But so in my dream, I th there is really like a dichotomy between the me who is acting, the part of the brain that's simulating the environment and doing its story and another mm -hmm. part of my brain who says like this is not possible this should not happen don't touch don't touch him he's gonna like crumble <laughs> and so okay the part that pisses me off so much so is that uh, this doesn't seem to work as a trigger for lucid dreaming you'd think that oh a dead, a dead person is walking like oh it's a dream like blah, blah, blah. yeah but I think I'm very like uh, adaptive and I can <laughs> I can sponge off a lot of circumstances and but that's a bit weird because like what I understood first is he is a living human being and he's just like you know that he's supposed to be dead which is completely different than he's a dead corpse walking and talking I mean yeah so I, I think in your two examples it's more like the, f the first one the former because it's not like a rotting corpse or anything he's just acting normally it's just i know that he's supposed to be dead i know that he's dead not supposed to be dead yeah exactly it's super different than like he's dead but alive and i feel like this this differentiation is like super interesting but i don't really know it's schrodinger's dream <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah but it's also maybe why it's not a trigger because it doesn't go against your be it goes against the belief of like a corpse can't talk and blah blah but it's still a corpse and you know that so there's not that much distance yeah i guess the, the the part that registers the state of the world is really happy and the part that simulates the story is really happy but they don't uh yeah <laughs> nobody's raising a flag because like that's what i was talking about I, I also have a recurring dream that is like kind of like that but a less a bit less corpsey so yeah my dream is i'm going through my last year of high school and i need to we do like the baccalaureate. High school diploma. Yeah. So I'm re I'm repassing my high school diploma, but I'm fully aware that I already have it. But usually there's something that explain it. So actually the first time they they saw that like there was a mistake ten years ago and like <laughs> you need to repass it because like oh this mistake ten years ago or oh you need to repass your baccalaureate a different one so like the literature one and not the scientific one because whatever. So I'm fully aware that like it makes no sense and I can think about like in the dream why it makes no sense but I'm still like going through the going through the process of doing the exam and blah 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 it's interesting so yeah there, there is really I think some common ground here between your story and mine um, between the, the difference between what should what we know for we know should be and what we actually do <laughs> I think that's like there's a really really cool book about how dream works new, like a neuroscientific book it's been quite a long time that I've read it like maybe five years four or five years so I'm not like fully remembering everything but what it was saying is basically your cerebellum is firing like completely random, randomly during AIM which activates random random pattern in your hippocampus and then it goes to your neocortex that tries to make sense of like this randomness and like this guy is completely against Freud but what I find interesting is like if you read the book like it actually 
actually goes with Freud because it says there's no significant, but like there's actually significant in how your neocortex makes sense of everything because it creates new patterns. So like trying to figure out how and why, like kind of like follow what Freud was saying. Basically, like there's not one meaning that's like what your brain is doing. The, mean, the meaning is, is what your brain is doing with, with like with a dream. So I, I, yeah, I found it quite interesting and that would make sense with like what we're living through in our dream as well. I, I figured that was conceptually something like that going on. Two, two distinct parts. But, uh, but I, I found it really cute to see how this uh, experience, well, how you can really experience those two different mechanisms in the brain that, uh, that, that, that there's, there's really like two different voices <laughs> in my brain saying contradictory things. <laughs> Which uh, you don't get to experience that often. Well, yeah, when you're conscious, not really. I think like that's it with dreams. Like the one part is kind of your unconscious. Like these things are not very... Like basically the stories that you're saying is usually like the unconscious part of your brain that is like doing the work. But like because you're living through that unconscious system, like you're... You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a bit... That reminds me of uh, a kind of a metaphor I was ex trying to explore in a short story uh, I wrote, re well, not so recently, but that what if, you know, in your brain there's all these subsystems, but when you're awake, there is your self that is really dominating the conversation. But uh, when yourself is off at night, you can really see some of these subsystems act up. And I was thinking of it in the way that during the day because of the sun you can't see all the stars but they are still here just overshadowed and so in fact maybe there's still these subsystems crying in the background but i don't hear them that's what's cool about meditation because it like it makes you aware of these subsystems is that it yeah like that's the whole goal of it like it's like let's let the thought like go through your consciousness but don't think about them it's not about not thinking it's just about like not going through them like it's just like popping up in your head and like you're just letting it go through your head do you think i have a i currently have a subsystem that is suffering torture in my brain i and don't I'm think just, so. like ignoring it i don't think so <laughs> if it was crying torture you wouldn't do that you would be in your bed like sleeping and not like being able to do shit well i don't know maybe it's a very small subsystem and i do a lot of other things maybe i have uh maybe i have in my brain a subpart that's identical uh than the brain of a rat that's being like run over by a car uh, maybe i don't <laughs> see why because like if you don't like you know what i mean why that would be like <laughs> I mean, you have all the element to do it. Like, you know what I mean? You, we could do that. Like, theoretically, like, why not? But I'm really not sure why. Okay, so yeah, let's leave it at I have a potential tortured rat in my brain. This episode is brought to you by Birds. Do you find the sky around you a bit empty? Is the atmosphere somehow lacking? Why not try to put some birds in? It's sure to be a treat both for the eyes and the ecosystem. Let's talk about killing some dead rats. Oh yeah, that's a great transition. You, you, we can say like, oh, and as a, as a transition to come back to video games, let's kill some dead rats in video games. So let's come back to video games with a question that kept my mind busy lately while I was either playing video games, watching video games, or designing video games, especially the last one. I guess we'll come back to that maybe, but it's like, what, yes. 
what makes you care about the NPCs essentially? Like, or, or not, let's drop NPC about the character. Is what gives value to characters' lives? Uh, what is sad about the death of some characters that are main characters, and not sad about the death of? people you kill in Call of Duty by millions or whatever. And so the, 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 well, yeah, I guess we can start, we can start at that. And I have the follow up question after. <laughs> I think like the first game that we should talk about and the first experience, like I've just played for this podcast, like for this specific episode, I've played uh, Undertale. Oh, research. Uh, and Undertale, yeah, I played Undertale because it feels like, like all the reviews that I was reading was about how... How likable the characters are. Yeah, exactly. And like how like killing people and not killing people was kind of the whole experience of Undertale. So I, w I was thought that it would be a good thing to have played that game for this yeah, it's true that Undertale is a work about empathy for characters so it is completely topical vis-a-vis -vis that question <laughs> the thing with Undertale is like I didn't feel it at all what it's not doing well I think is like the thing about picking what to kill and what not to kill could be a super interesting choice but it's not that it's just like either you kill everyone either you don't kill anyone or either like you you have the experience of like I don't know if I cannot kill that person so I'm killing him but it's not really a choice like you made no choice you just didn't know so it was not like story based it was just like gameplay based like okay I'm not sure I can like survive without killing it I'm killing him and like what's not interesting is this choice is never made clear except right at the end yeah that's that's true that you're never pushed to choose a character over the other, right? Either you spare everyone or kill yeah. everyone. Or... I don't know anyone who, de who did a run by killing half of the character and leaving only their favorites. <laughs> so I was a bit disappointed by it. I don't think it says that much about why do why would you want not to kill anyone, except like one of the big first things that we can say is like gameplay can be a part of it. Yeah, but then you don't value the NPC per se. You value... Oh, that's that's exactly my, my, my sub-question I had. <laughs> So the sub-question is, is the value in the in the character itself or in the consequences of hurting them? And so the gameplay approach is you don't value the NPC per se, you just value the gameplay consequences of... of, of But isn't that true about life, though? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Isn't that true about real life? It could be. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Would you give? <laughs> would you kill everyone if you had no consequence? I don't think so. There's some people you would like leave alive. <laughs> okay, you wanted to talk about Animal Crossing too? <laughs> Because like that's one of the biggest empathy moment I got in a game in a long time. So basically, so in Animal Crossing, if you didn't play in the new Animal Crossing, you have like tons of villagers that can live on your island and like it's kind of random. So you get these random people like living on your island. The thing is like the whole point of the game is making you the creator of the island. So you create everything, you plot like where you put the house, you can terraform the island to make it like exactly as you want like it's really like the whole game is making you pushing you to make like the perfect island like the island of your dream and like really feeling that it's your own mm -hmm. and so when you have like that disgusting character coming that you really don't like so they have like all the 400 i don't know how many villagers are but like all villagers have like different personality and different like face there's different animals so like there's monkey pig blah 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 And this, there's this disgusting kind of bear that is like useless, useless bear. You always use less comments like, hi, it's raining. Cool. Like your life is cool. Like just leave me alone. So I just wanted him to leave or her, I don't know, whatever. And so I've looked online on how like for her to like leave. And to make someone leave, you need to report her. 
to like the the little girls that like run the mayor office. Yeah. So you need to go there and say like I don't like this person don't like me and I don't like her. Please do something. And then you need to hit her until like the girl like is crying saying like stop stop please stop. And you do that like every day until like she can't take it anymore. <laughs> so you, you, the only way to kick someone out of the town is to bully, is to bully them to, into yeah. leaving. Yes. Nice. And I've done that like once. Like I've reported it once. And like this woman at the mayor office was like, ooh, I'm gonna take care about it. I'm like, ooh, that's a bit harsh. So I didn't redo it. And I hit it once with a, with, with a net. And the girl was like, stop, stop, it hurts or something. like. And I was like, no way. Like she's staying on my island forever. I don't care. Like I can't do that. I just can't. Like it's way too hard on me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's clearly meant to, to, or accidentally meant to make you think hard about why you want them to leave. <laughs> right? it's, yeah, like the thing is, it's, it's, she just didn't look good. You know what I mean? I kind of wanted cute village. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it, it looks like it puts your whole worldview into question. No, <laughs> good job, Nintendo. I think it's a great tool for, for like solving racism. Hitting people with a net, like we we simple t we simple tweaks. Okay, so how do you explain that a lot of people hit other people with worse than a net and don't feel bad about it? In games, you mean, or in real Both, life? Both, I guess. Well, in games, I think it's really depending on the on the game. Like Animal Crossing is meant for you, like to care about like the villagers, like to care about your island. Like as you said at the start, like Call of Duty, like who the fuck cares? Like they're not really like they're lit. Literally, you don't think of them as NPC, even NPCs. Like you think as like their target. Like they're not human. Like they're literally like pixel on the screen, and like and they're not behaving like humans. They're not. They're not like talking. They're not like they're moving weirdly on the map. You don't talk to them. Like but like it's like like it's like in real war. Like two soldiers that don't like meet each other. Like they don't think about like the other guy as a human being. They they won't kill them if they if they did. If they I did. love this episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> but like it's actually tr I think it's really true. Like in war, like usually wh what you do first is to de-anthropomorphize like your enemy. It's to say like oh they're not human. They're pigs. They're not human. They're like whatever. And like that's the base of racism. That's the base of like Nazi like Nazi Nazi people. People. Yeah, that's the base of all like shitty, <laughs> shitty behavior. Basically, it's a stepping stone in a lot of bad politics. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't think that that episode would be so close to like Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I mean, it's on everyone's <laughs> mind, I guess. But it it is yeah. it is uh, an interesting uh, a parallel because in the video games medium, you can really see a full spectrum of of this, right? The, either they don't try or they fail at uh, humanizing or anthropomorphizing or creating entropy, uh, empathy, entropy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And you, you can see some cases like your Animal Crossing where it's really well done and some cases where it completely fails. But because I'm not trying, I think. I don't know. So may maybe I should, I should uh, go back to... Oh, go back. I, I should tell you about the, the game that sparked this question uh, to answer. So maybe it will bring an answer. I don't know. So I first thought about this question when I was playing Watch Dogs by uh, the game mm -hmm. by Ubisoft. And I believe, and maybe I'm completely mistaken, I'm mixing memories, but I believe that when it was first announced, it was, they, they had this thing like, oh, we're going to make it so that when you kill NPCs, it's kind of GTA, it's kind of like GTA, it's a GTA type game. And they were like, when you kill people, innocent bystander, 
uh, you'll have something about their lives, like a little blurb to humanize them, uh, to, to know who they are. Okay. And then you'll feel bad because you see a picture of their wives and crying children. And okay. uh, so I, I played fun. that game and found that it actually didn't even it didn't work at all. Because instead of killing, NP, like, killing targets, you kill targets with a little blurb. <laughs> And that that doesn't like there there was always like one sentence and I get what they are trying to do they are trying to humanize them so the 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 one sentence was often like a bit quirky and specific like oh this guy likes to eat waffles with this coffee or like yeah. and just like I was there so what and <laughs> it didn't really work for me and I was like and I I believe it. It fell short for a lot of other people, if I if I remember the reviews correctly. Oh, I can imagine that like it's not. Yeah. So it's it's, not it started for me saying like, uh, why? What makes you care about some NPCs? Uh, what, what makes this fail and like some other NPCs, uh, so, some other games work? So I think it sparked an interesting question. Like, can a game make you care about random NPC? Like, you know what I mean? A vendor in a vendor in a city. Uh, like, I don't know, a random guy like on the street. Maybe you just have to be allowed to spend time with them and know their backstory and stuff like that. You need to have like the potential of depth, basically. Well, I, I think you need to have the depth per se, because if you could have talked to them, like... This is this is so good because it ties back to Undertale. Because Undertale has a lot of potential of death. Like all the bosses you killed, you can talk to them for a long time after and like romance them and spend a lot of time with them. Can you? But if you don't know that, if you don't notice that or whatever, you won't care. Well, can I romance a br- what? <laughs> <laughs> Can I go back and like and like talk to Undyne? Yes, the game changes completely if you leave the, let them leave. She she comes back and she talks to you and I, I, I believe you can romance like all the other bosses. Base. Okay, kind of fun. So you do you do have the potential for death, but I guess potential is only good when it's explicitly. I think Undertale does a bad job at uh, discovery of potential. Some of it is really hard to discover. But like, I think, no, but like, I think in Undertale, w- what's kind of missing is like, you don't spend that much time with any character except the two skeletons. And I think that's also like part of it, like, because it's such very discreet moment, even when you take like Song and Pap- Papyrus, like, it's very discreet. Like, you spend like five minutes with them and then they disappear and then you respend five minutes with them there's no no real continuity and your choice your choice when you're speaking to them are no real choice like it's like do you want to go on a date with me yes no and if you say yes it's like okay yes 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 like it doesn't feel like you have any any choice basically it's it's interesting because i did yeah you keep bringing choice on the topic and uh, a priori before starting the discussion, I wouldn't have thought or, known or noticed that there would be any kind of uh, link between choice and empathy. Mm. But actually, this seems to 
be this seems to matter right you need some kind of free will to to be invested in a relation and time and shared activities is certainly a big part of it and it's funny because it makes me think of the real life real world where these characteristics that you just said are actually really big uh, really big factors in building relationships it makes me think about uh, another video game experience that I had which is like Pokemon and one time I played Pokemon when like if my Pokemon were die like were actually dead I couldn't revive them and I felt very strong about yeah like at the end like the, the, the like i really lo like loved this strong world but like i really were really really attached to these six pokemon i was like i really don't want them to die and not because i was super high level not because just because we did this whole like adventure together And I was like, no, we're finishing that together. I am so glad you're bringing this up because so this is called the Nuzlocke Challenge and it's a really great uh, example because it's the exact same game, right? Exact same game, exact same story. Yeah. The only thing that changed is you, the, your death is permanent so you can't revive your Pokemon and that's that clearly creates a strong emotional bound and everyone's saying the same thing. So that's that's really precious, this kind of A-B testing to narrow down on really what the difference is. This episode is sponsored by Not Daily Podcast. Are you starting a small personal project and have no one to sponsor you yet? Why not try sponsoring yourself? Okay, okay, so similarity is important in empathy. But then the, my question is, when you're in a video game and you're, doing st you're building empathy and relationships through doing stuff together, mm -hmm. uh, what if the character strongly disagrees with you? Can you still have, you, you can probably still care about them and have empathy towards them. So then it's not about similarity anymore. It's a different... That's true, but like I think it depends on the game. Like if it's a very narrative game that takes more cue from like cinemas and like for video game. If you take Final Fantasy like 10, the story is going to happen that way and like you're just running, killing monsters and then like there's a cinematic and the story is that way dot. You can feel very strongly about the story because it's literally like... A, It's literally like cinema then. You're not trying to be the character, you make no choice whatsoever. It just let me be like that weird character that is not me and like let's leave the story through their eyes. But when you introduce any sort of choice, then like it makes you the actor and like if you can't act the way you want, then it kills the story. Or, or then you need to make it very clear that okay, like you're role playing a character that like kills everyone. So now like you can role play that way and like the choice is for this kind of character. But don't don't let me think that I have free will if I don't you know what I mean <laughs> yes yes I'm just I'm still puzzled between this relationship between free will and uh, and the empathy for other characters though because um, yeah because it's not true for cinema yeah it's not true for cinema so it's, it's why <laughs> Are you sure that you don't care about... No, no, but, but like, no, but like, what I'm saying is like, either you do a cinema game, which is fine, which is like a lot of JRPG, a lot of, like a lot of gamers that way, like a lot of games are really like cinema with gameplay. Yeah, so there, there's, you're, you're saying that there is two kinds of caring, essentially. Yeah. The, well, the cinema kind where you, based on projection, and the video game kind based on common choice and experiences. One sort of game is having an experience like as a f first player, meaning you are the person in the game. 
And the second kind is something else is the person of the game and you're just watching him doing it. But basically, like the gameplay is just a fun way to live through a story. And so you relate differently to the character depending on whether you're watching a story or living a story. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, they're pro it's probably more like a little bit of both. Like the continuum. But I think the continuum is can be broken. I don't think it's that much of a continuum to be to be completely honest. So I think a good example to to summarize my feelings on the topic is the difference between Western RPGs and Japanese RPGs, because Japanese RPGs kind of never let you choose the main character and project you in a, in a story, like you said, in a very narrative way, in a very cinematographic way. Whereas Western RPGs are really about like you design your character, you pick the race, the name, etc. But as a result, yeah. like you can't make a very tailored story because you don't know what the, the protagonist is going to be. You don't even know the gender, the, the, the origin, whatever, the name. You know nothing about the protagonist. You want to keep it like bland for the for people to project themselves. And as a result, the story really, really, well... I'm gonna say really sucks. I I don't like the I don't I can't relate to the story. You can imagine that for an author, if you don't know anything about the character or anything about the character's past or anything, there's very little meaningful character development that you can bring to the table. <laughs> so that uh, just like by definition. So I I definitely found my my place in that spectrum. <laughs> And so you were saying about JRPGs? And so JRPGs like kind of force you into, shoehorn you into characters that they built, but then they are in control of the narrative. And I think it's a lot better to create empathy because you, you can write about the past, about the relationship between the characters because you know who no. they are and what they are like. So I don't know if we solved the question, but I think we probably brought a fr an interesting framework to, to analyze the question in, I guess. At the very least, I hadn't thought of the importance of choice in the in the empathy building process. So, but the question of what what what's the value of an NPC life? Well, the value is either obvious on the gameplay perspective because oh, you kill the boss and you can't do your mission, and so, what's the value? Ten gold. <laughs> Ten gold. <laughs> I mean, that's for another another podcast. Like. <laughs> Another episode, what's the value of, of a life? So, yeah, either you have the, the value of the gameplay-wise because you fucked up your mission and you fucked up, like, all the time you invested in it. Oh, I should have talked about Nier Automata. Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, or you have this, cinema the, the, this empathy that is the same as uh, when you read a book or see a movie, which is the empathy at which watchdogs fail right yeah. and that's why playing Watch Dogs I was like oh is is the NPC in the mission the only one I care about well yes because it fails cinematographically that's a good conclusion well summary <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay I, I think there's probably more to be said on the, on the topic and a lot of approximations so I'm very eager to hear from people at Not Daily Podcast on Twitter or Reddit or YouTube or gmail.com because every time we finish an episode I feel a bit like unfinished you know yeah clearly but like this one a bit more than usual I guess you say that 
every time. <laughs> we both say that every time. But that's why we have the follow-up section so that we finish yeah. with everyone because this is not just the two of us. This is a community thing. A huge community that can put five stars on iTunes. Thank you. <laughs> but that's that's why we we also need to leave it a bit open for discussion so that we have the discussion. Mm.